0: Good afternoon and welcome to this broadcast of Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I am broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. First things first, let me go ahead and apologize for the late start of the broadcast of BTR News. Normally broadcast at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and I had an appointment with an insurance adjuster this morning that I totally forgot about, and um, he just left about 30 minutes ago trying to get uh, some things repaired around the house, and so um, definitely had to deal with that. So that's the reason for the late start, and I apologize, and I hope you know that uh, you won't hold that against me. All right, please continue to support Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina based new media nonprofit that was uh, created so that we could have the mechanism to elevate black voices by the means of the radio um, after doing study. Um I discovered that the reason I wasn't hearing any black people talk about politics or social issues or anything um, that is important to us dealing with the people activity areas. The reason I wasn't able to find any on my local radio dial was because in 1996, the Clinton administration, of course, bipartisanly working with Republicans passed in 1996. Telecommunications Act, which had the effect of causing independent radio, black radio stations to go out of business. And so that's why we don't have serious talk radio in our communities over those terrestrial radio stations. What we get is either a gospel station, religious programming, or we get fun and games you know people gossiping celebrity gossiping and what have you um just not really seriously focusing on the issues uh, much of black radio that we have today is just an extension of the democratic party um and they're not objective um and i'm not saying that they should be um Tools of the Republican Party. No, I'm saying that they should be independent and and questioning the policies of people, no matter what party they belong to. So that's why Black Talk Media Project exists. That's why we created BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. That's why I have uh we have assisted others in learning this technology and creating their own platforms and or radio stations. So please continue to support our work. We don't get a lot of corporate, well really no corporate uh support. Now I have been approached by corporations uh who wanted to build a relationship with with through our network and reach black people and I turned them down because of their unethical practices and most importantly, you know, if they're pushing stuff that's harmful. To black people. So we don't you don't see a lot of corporate advertisement. We might get some small businesses to advertise from time to time, but primarily our funding comes from you, the listener. And it is a tax deductible donation. We are a registered nonprofit. And you can make a donation by going to Black Talk Radio network.com you'll see the paypal buttons and i'm sorry i haven't updated that total i tell you um people don't understand i shouldn't say that but please understand i'm one person i don't have a staff and i get behind on so much stuff because then i'm trying to help people uh, with problems i'm trying to recruit new programming Just got so much going on, and so I have not updated those totals that you see, and I apologize once again for that. I promise you I will get to it no later than this weekend, Uh, because we're trying to raise a minimum of $20,000, so please... Help us reach that goal and make a donation to the Black Talk Media Project. You can also make a donation and get a subscription to our social media platform, which is btrcommunity.com. btrcommunity.com is a social media platform that works similar to other social media platforms. You can post status messages, you can post videos, you can upload photos. Um, you can ha- make friends and share converse- um share information. You can create groups just like you do on on like Facebook. Of course, we don't have the resources to fa- that Facebook has. So therefore, we're not able to offer all the bells and whistles. But we got the basics and, and we just want to have a safe digital space so that our listening audience can um, come to that space and share information and engage in dialogue and so um, again BTR community is a $24 a year subscription it breaks down to $2 a month so there's a number of ways that you can continue to support the work of Black Talk Media Project which has been realized through Black Talk Radio Network but we still have a lot of work to do because the ultimate goal is to build localized digital radio stations in communities to where people can tune in or go online uh, to the platform for that station and be informed about what's going on, what's going on in your county, what's going on in your city, you know. And so uh, we have to organize on a local level with people we share community with and not just look at uh, organizing on the national level. All right, so today's program, as I mentioned yesterday, will be about afro and the black community. For those that don't know what Afro-Christophobia is, um, i borrow the word Christophobia and just put Afro in front of it. Uh, Christophobia is a real thing. But I thought I wanted to tailor that specifically to the black community, I'm not talking about people outside of the black community and whatever phobias they have about black people, whatever racism they have in their hearts, whatever injustice that they want to practice against us. No, I'm today. I'm not focusing on them. I'm focusing on us and my reason for doing it well, let me give my definition for afro christophobia again it is it, it's, it's using the same definition as christophobia but with a black perspective on it and so uh afro is the irrational fear of black people it's irrational fear and hatred i would add irrational fear and seemingly hatred um it comes across that way a lot of times for black Christians. And as I put in my uh, program notes, Afro Christophobia, in my opinion, is rooted in logical fa- fallacies. Whenever I hear someone bashing black Christians, they use logical fa- fallacies. What are logical fallacies? Logical fallacies are mistaken beliefs based on unsound arguments. They derive from reasoning that is logically incorrect, thus undermining an argument's validity. And so I, you'll hear people share anecdotal stories, um, which isn't real evidence. It's not scientific or anything of that nature. It's just really their opinion. Um, some of the things that I heard, what are some examples of, of logical fallacies for example, I saw someone say that the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, a white terrorist organization, is a Christian organization, and simply because they burn crosses or they wear crosses, and some of them might even go to church. I know here, looking at footage here in North Carolina, um, which had the largest due-paying membership in the Klan. Yes, North Carolina, not Alabama, not Mississippi not Louisiana North Carolina had the most dedicated white supremacists in the KKK organization and and so I was watching uh footage of one time about a little rally they had um and it had this quote unquote Christian minister um giving them um you know, uh, a pep talk as they was going to terrorize this Lumbee Indian community here in North Carolina, not too far from me. Um, but what ended up happening is the Lumbee Indians launched a surprise attack on them. And then they ran and scattered like cowards. Um, you may know the story about Robert F Williams, Negroes with guns and how they organized against the Klan. um, So when I hear people say something like that, that's a logical fallacy. I can put on a lab coat. Well, I used to wear a lab coat when I worked in a a dye lab. I didn't work in a medical lab. But if I put on a lab coat and get a stethoscope, that don't make me no doctor. Okay? And I am just got a picture of my mind of this young brother um, in Florida who got busted for setting up some kind of women's clinic and giving breast exams and what have you and he had his little lab coat. He had his stethoscope and, you know, all the things that you would expect a doctor to have. And he wasn't a doctor. <laughs> Never been to medical school in his life. I guess he was a pervert, uh getting his rocks off of giving uh women breast exams and what so wearing a lab coat doesn't make you a doctor, okay, if I go out there and put on, let's say, Carolina Panthers, um, no, let's say um, the Charlotte Hornets. If I go buy a Charlotte Hornets uniform and I put that uniform on, that does not make me a professional basketball player. So what, what I'm saying is people often use logical fallacies to engage in afro and I feel that it is a hindrance, even though it's coming from a small minority of people because 80 percent of African-Americans and, and while the continent of Africa is full of Christians, um, which is the originating continent of the of the religion or spirit, spiritual beliefs. I'm talking about. Here in the United States, where I live, where most of our listening audience is based in, um, so eighty percent of us identify as Christians, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we actually follow the teachings and the principles, and and um, doesn't mean that we don't do bad things to people and and and, and what have you. Um, so, what's another logical fallacy that we'll be addressing? Another one I heard. Uh, Last week, black people only practiced Christianity because the white men forced them to do so during slavery or colonization. Well, that's a logical fallacy. It's a mistaken belief based on an unsound argument, okay? Um, Because again, we have been misinformed um, to believe that uh, white people or Europeans America uh US citizens or what have you um they, they created Christianity and they did not. They did not. Um all the the three major religions of the world are Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. All three originated in Africa. And I got some information shared by a BTR member um today that I definitely will check out the video. Uh, later where it's talking about Allah, the God that's talked about in the Quran, is actually found in the Old Testament Bible. So there's a lot of overlap. They're known as the three uh, Abrahamic religions. And they all have the same root. And that is in Africa, created by black people. Now, Islam, that, that may be up for debate but um a lot I have noticed that you know um some of the people that they recognize and they do recognize Jesus they just recognize him as a prophet and um not the person who who was put on the cross or crucified as a human sacrifice to cover sin for all humans and therefore no more animal sacrifices will be needed as they would do in the old testament um which was actually Judaism it didn't become christianity or christianity didn't really become a thing until the ministry of the person they call Christ and that's that's Jesus okay so i just feel like a lot of it is rooted in logical fallacy some of it is just rooted in outright hatred uh some of it is rooted in In ignorance, well, I guess logical fallacy is ignorance. Okay, now what is my purpose of doing this program? Um, well, I'm trying to run and manage a codified network, I'm getting outside of religion, although religions do have their own codes. Um, but in a non religious, uh, um, In a non-religious way, I'm trying to run a codified network. So if you understand what codification means, um, check out the radio station and podcast on our network, The Context of White Supremacy. Codification is rooted in uh, Mr. Neely Fuller Jr.'s work. And he talks about the 10 stops. Um, He talks about the nine areas of people activity. Um, that will be economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, uh, sex, and war. And white supremacists practice white supremacy in, nine, in all nine areas, including religion. Okay? So um, the 10 basic stops, now this is getting too high. I try to manage this network and the content that appears on this network. The 10 basic stops that victims of racism should practice in speech, in or action. And many of these are actually found um, among the teachings in, in the Bible. But stop snitching <laughs> isn't one of them but stop name calling. Number two, number three, stop cursing. Uh, Number four, stop gossiping. Number five, stop being discourteous. Number six, stop stealing. Seven, stop robbing. Eight, stop fighting. Nine, stop killing. And 10, stop squabbling. And that's one of the areas that I really need to work on. I, I really do. Um, You know, there's such a thing as being cursed with knowledge, and the knowledge I'm talking about is historical knowledge. Unlike a lot of people, I do have time to read. Um, Right now, I really don't because of the changes we're making to the network and things I'm trying to do behind the scenes, but I read a lot, Um, and I've always been that way since I was a child. History was my favorite subject. Um, The Internet was a blessing to me because it allowed me to get outside of the textbooks of suspected races and what have you. So I'm cursed with certain knowledge. And then when I see someone engaging in logical fallacies to attack a person, it ain't even got to be about a religion or what have you. But, you know, they attacking people using logical fallacies and then, you know, I often will find myself, you know, in a debate with these people. And and then next thing you know, it, it just devolve into something unconstructive. And so, you know, um, that's something I need to work on. Um because I am taught by my faith not to engage uh people with stupid arguments, not calling them stupid, but the arguments are stupid, um not to engage people with who are engaging in stupid arguments, dumb stuff, because that's only going to lead to quarrels and and what do quarrels lead to they lead to conflict and i I ain't got time to be in conflict. So sometimes, if I feel like it must be addressed, and I feel like the person um, just needs some more information, I should just say what I have to say, share the information I have to say, and mo- and keep it moving, and don't go back and and forth. Um, as an example, some other people engaging in logical fallacies that, and I'm gonna play this Malcolm X clip, and where he clearly states we are Africans, but I have come across. Perhaps you've come across some, these people who call themselves copper-colored aborigines who who have used Malcolm X out of context to claim that, hey, even Malcolm X knew we were indigenous to North America and we are not uh, Africans. Well, you'll hear in this clip when I play um, Malcolm X talking about um, the founding of the Organization for African American uh, unity, so, so I'll play that, but another lo- logical fallacy, or excuse me, something I'm learning to do, I don't even engage the copper-colored Aborigines anymore. Somebody tried to pull me into a conversation um, on Twitter about that, and and the person who tried to pull me into it um, was not a copper-colored Aborigine, but they was confronting um, this person who who on uh, commenting on a post that had to do with black struggle, saying, "Well, we not black," and, and all this. Now, I, I just told that person, look, don't don't engage that person. Don't go back and forth with that person on on the internet. Don't waste your time. If they want to go, if they want to identify as copper color aborigines, that's them. That's their right. Um, That's how they want to identify. We got a right to self-determination, but you're not going to change that person's mind. They're already threatening you and what have you. So don't, don't, don't engage them. Just, just ignore them because they want the attention. They want to um, debate you. And, and then, you know, I talked a little bit about this yesterday. You know, people, I saw it again, because I follow certain, you know, stuff on YouTube where here this black news channel is talking about some beef between some conscious black people talking about how they destroy how this one person destroyed the other that's like that's like um it's like entertainment combat sport or something like that that people take pleasure in they're entertained in two black people tearing each other down or destroying each other. That that should never be our intent. If we're going to debate information, the intent should be for enlightenment, not to make somebody else uh, look dumb and stupid like they don't know what they're talking about. Okay, so I don't get engaged in that. I was going to make a show of it because that's what they're doing. They're making a show out of a disagreement they have with a black person. But I was going to invite a person who they may not feel like they was engaging in Afro-Christophobia or anti-blackness um, because they frequently speak out against anti-blackness. So perhaps Afro-Christophobia is in their blind spot. And I was going to invite them on, and I know it was going to turn into a debate because we're not on, in agreement about um, the things that was stated on, on this program. And, and so I was like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You've had a positive relationship with this person over the years. You disagree with them uh on this particular issue. Um you don't condone uh logical fallacies and what have you, but you know he's steadfast in his beliefs and you're steadfast in yours. So what would be the point of bringing that person on it's to make a show of it? No, I'm not on here to entertain you. I'm on here to have serious conversations about things that that are uh, har- impacting our community in a negative way. And Afro-Christophobia is harming us. It's causing disunity. It's destroying relationships when we shouldn't even be debating these things, okay? We shouldn't be debating these things. The only thing I want to know is, are you opposed to slavery? Do you want to end it? Are you willing to put into the work? Are you opposed to white supremacy? Do you want to end it? And do you want to put in the work? Now on the white supremacy part, I don't I I've been going back and forth in my mind about Mr. Fuller's comments about only white people can end white supremacy. And I can see the logic in that, but then at the same time, I want to say that. We can't leave it up to white people, so we gotta do what we gotta do and So, I guess I could say I do understand what he's saying in saying only white people can can end white supremacy because he talks about countering white supremacists how to minimize what they do in our lives, and when somebody's coming at us on the job or wherever we may be, trying to practice racism, what's the best, what's the most logical way to counter what this person is doing? How do we minimize that racist impact on our life? So I, I, I do, I, I'm still a little bit on the fence, so to speak, but I get where he's coming from, that only white people can end white supremacy. So I ain't got time to be focusing on black Buddhists and, and saying you shouldn't be practicing that. Uh, Buddha was Chinese and or Asian or that's an Asian religion. And, and no, no, I ain't got time for that. I ain't got time for that. Because the question is, am I going to trade? Is there some religion or set of spiritual beliefs that I'm going to trade in and then it's magically going to make me immune immune to the effects of white supremacy. No, the the logical answer is no. Christianity, um, the way I'm taught, doesn't even tell me that. Because it says works, faith having faith without works is dead. Meaning, you can sit around praying all day and asking God in whatever God's name you wanna ask in terms of Christianity, we ask the Father in Jesus' name. But you can ask all day long. But if you don't use the tools that you've already been blessed with to, to take action, then you're just wasting your breath. Faith, Having faith without putting in the necessary work doesn't work. Like Frederick Douglass, another black Christian, said, you know, I prayed every day for my freedom and, and then I prayed with my feet, meaning I took action and I prayed and then I took action. And what was that action? Um, He ran away. He escaped from that plantation. All right. So faith without works is dead. And there's no religion that you can point me to to say, if I just practice this religion, then everything is going to work out. No. That's a, that's, that's a logical fallacy. It's an unsound argument because if that was the case, none of the non-white people in the world that's being impacted by global white supremacy would be suffering from white supremacy because their religion would combat that and, and nullify the white supremacists. We haven't seen that anywhere on the planet. And we got hundreds of religions in Africa. Um, we got religions outside of the three Abrahamic religions. Like if you want to talk about Buddhism, I think Japan has has uh, their own religion that they came up with. Um, so uh, I have not seen uh, anybody that's practicing any of those religions make them immune to white supremacy and racism. Okay. So um, this program is not to convert you to Christianity. It is not for me to justify my faith to you because I don't have to, but it is to hopefully do a constructive program to foster why, since I am a black Christian, uh, why we believe the we, the way we do, why that um, you know uh, let me put it this way, I'm trying to minimize conflict among black people and I see Afro-Christophobia as a hindrance, um, I, I just ended a relationship because a person, an immature person was uh, just being very derogatory, engaging in name calling, engaging in logical fallacies and I don't want that on this network This is a codified network, okay? It's codified. And if you're not mature enough, if you don't know enough about codification, get back to me when when you do. I was talking to a young lady last night. I didn't ask her what her religious beliefs were, but she's working. She wants to start a program on Black Talk Radio um, to address conflict resolution. Um, She wants to reduce gun violence, in the community. Um, so I t- said to her, you know, I, I'm sorry I got to ask you this, um, but I, well, not ask you, but I got to inform you that I'm very interested in helping you produce this program and airing it on the Black Talk Radio Network. But here are some core uh, rules that uh, you have to adhere by. We don't bash other people's religions. I don't care what religion they practice. We don't come that. Your conflict resolution has nothing to do with bashing other religions. Don't have nothing to do, do with that. We also don't engage in name calling. Not only of black people, but white people as well. When I hear people calling to shows, calling people crackers, calling them cave beasts, that's not codified. That's one of the things that Mr. Neely Fuller uh said stopping. He wasn't just talking about your speech and action towards black people. He's talking about your speech and action, period. And that's name calling. We should be more mature than that. I I can I can refer to Donald Trump as a racist, suspected racist, although I think it's confirmed that he's a racist. I could call him a white supremacist. I don't have to call him a cave beast. I don't have to call him a cracker or none of that because, see, I understand who's in charge of this system that we live in right now, and it ain't me and it ain't you if you black, okay? And so because we live in this system, we are under the rules and regulations of this system, okay? That's why we need to build our own stuff. But even then, Um, just cause we have our own doesn't mean we should engage in incorrect uncodified behavior that can bring unwanted attention and unwanted problems. Not that I solely rely on Facebook or Twitter or any other platform outside of black talk radio network or outside of BTR community. Um, I'm not reliant on them, but I use them. And who owns those platforms? Well, white people own those platforms. iTunes. We distribute podcasts through iTunes. Okay? Um, black people don't own iTunes. We distribute podcasts through Blog Talk Radio. Black people don't run black talk, uh, Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we utilize PayPal in a bank for our nonprofit. profit uh, Guess who don't run PayPal in the bank that we use? Okay, so I don't need to give people who want to metaphorically lynch us and end our life, meaning the networks that we have built in our nonprofit. I I, I don't need to give them a rope to hang me with so that's what codification is about and and many would do well to learn codification you will save yourself a whole lot of problems if you learn codification okay so but my purpose again is not to recruit anyone to my set of beliefs their beliefs I can't prove to you that Christianity is the correct path for you to be on. You have to decide that for yourself. I can't tell somebody else practicing something else that they're wrong in what they're, in their beliefs. I will say, though, that if you're practicing Tricosi uh, in West Africa, and you're making ritual sacrifices of your daughter's, uh, to the fetish priests, so they can be slaves to the fetish priests, and, ha- and in which these priests are having sex with them to pay for the family sin. That's incorrect. And I will tell you that's incorrect. That's pedophilia. Okay? So uh, we know human sacrifice and all that. If it's not, let me put it this way if whatever you're practicing is not producing justice then either you not practicing it right because you have a lack of understanding and comprehension of what you are supposed to be studying and adhering to, okay? Or like Mr. Fuller says, you believe in practicing injustice. So then it don't matter. Like he says, it don't matter what your skin color is. It don't matter what religion you practicing if you practicing injustice, you tell me you this, that, and the other. I don't care what you tell me you are. I'm looking at your actions. Because as the old saying goes, actions speak louder than words. If you're not producing justice, then what are you producing? guess it's logical to assume you engaging in, in unjust practices. So I just want to uh, just make it clear once and, and, and for all, that we this is a codified network we don't engage in that type of unconstructive uncodified behavior now i do want to acknowledge even though this isn't the, the uh, focus of the program i do want to acknowledge that even black christians engage in incorrect or people calling themselves black christians again anybody can claim they anything you can put on a lab coat that don't make you a doctor But like I was referencing the conversation I had last night and I was telling her the reason we don't want to do this, engage in this type of behavior is because I follow the model of Malcolm X, who was a Sony Muslim. That don't matter to me. I'm looking at the principles of what he's teaching and if it's going to produce justice. So I don't dismiss learning from somebody simply because they don't belong to the faith that I, I belong to. That that would be illogical. I weigh what's being said. Does it make sense? What's the goal here? And then okay, I make a determination do I want to incorporate this teaching into my life? And like I told her last night, you know, she started telling me about She and her girlfriend would be on a religious board and people talking about, I guess it was dominated by Christians and then when they started sharing stuff from Buddhism and I didn't ask her I don't care what her religious practices are but apparently they were sharing um, some stuff from I don't even know if Buddhism is a religion or or it's more like a spiritual belief but anyway um, started sharing some of that And then black Christians coming out at them in a a cartoonish way. Oh, you going to hell and I rebuke you and all that kind of garbage. Christianity, Jesus ain't teach you to talk that way to people, to condemn them. You don't have the power, you know, uh, to decide uh, um, um, where these people going to end up. That's not you. Okay, that's not for you to decide. You're supposed to be courteous. You know, Malcolm X talks about that, uh, being courteous to people. Don't disrespect people. But if they put their hands on you, send them to the cemetery, okay? That's what I believe, all right? So I was telling her, you know, that's unfortunate that happened to you. But as you can see, that's why we try to stay away from religion, on this network, this is why we try to try to uh, 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 foster a atmosphere that is welcoming to everyone. okay? So Malcolm X, at the founding of the OAAU, the Organization for African American Unity, um, he founded it as a non-religious organization. Uh, he's a Muslim. But he recognized that the majority of African-Americans are Christians. And while he used to bash them, when, as he stated, came into his own mind, went on a spiritual journey to to Mecca and uh, adopted Sunni Islam, he recognized the incorrect, uncodified things that he was doing and antagonizing, mocking, and belittling um, black Christians. He really didn't have an understanding um, of why they was doing or why they hold certain beliefs or why they engage in, in certain uh, activities. So he's like, we we need to come together in a non-religious organization and work on these problems. That is the purpose of me doing um, this program in addressing Afro-Christophobia. Now, if you have a question or comment, something to add, um, you can give us a call at 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056. If I need to go past two hours, if I need to do three hours, if I need to do five hours, I think this issue is that important. I think it's very important that I let people as the manager of this network, of this nonprofit, that I let people know where I stand and why I manage the network the way that I do. I'm trying to foster unity, so let's let's give a listen to Malcolm X. A couple of excerpts from the OAAU founding rally, and I'm just going to call it a guide to black unity.
1: Mr. Moderator Our distinguished guests Brothers and sisters Our friends and and our enemies Everybody is here As many of you know, uh, last March, when it was announced that I was no longer in the black Muslim movement, it was pointed out that it was my intention to work among the 22 million non-Muslim Afro-Americans and to try and form some type of organization or create a situation where the young people our young people, the students and others, could study the problems of our people for a period of time and then come up with a new analysis and give us some new ideas and some new suggestions as to how to approach a problem that too many other people had been playing around with for too long. And that we would have some kind of meeting and determine at a later date whether to form a black nationalist Party or a black nationalist army. There have been many of our people across the country from all walks of life who have taken it upon themselves to try and pool their ideas and to come up with some kind of solution to the problem that confronts all of our people. And tonight we are here to try and get an understanding of what it is they've come up with. Also, recently, when I was blessed to make a trip or a pilgrimage, a a a religious pilgrimage to the holy city of Mecca, where I met many people from all over the world, plus spent many weeks in Africa, trying to broaden my own scope and get more of an open mind to look at the problem as it actually is, one of the things that I realized, and I realized this even before going over there, was that the our African brothers have gained their independence faster than you and I here in America have. They've also gained recognition and respect as human beings much faster than you and I. Just ten years ago on the African continent, our people were colonized. They were suffering all forms of colonization, oppression, exploitation, degradation, humiliation, discrimination, and every other kind of Asian. And in uh, a short time, they have gained more independence, more recognition, more respect as human beings than you and I have. And I live in a country which is supposed to be the citadel of education, freedom, justice, democracy, and all of those other pretty sound So it was our intention to try and find out what was our African brothers doing to get results so that you and I could study what they had done and perhaps gain from that study or benefit from their experiences. And and my traveling over there was designed to help to find out how. One of the first things that the independent African nations did was to form an organization called the Organization of African Unity. The purpose of our organization of Afro-American unity, which has the same aim and objective, to fight whoever gets in our way. (laughs) To bring about the complete independence of people of African descent here in the Western Hemisphere and first here in the United States and bring about the freedom of these people by any means necessary. That's our motto. The purpose of our organization is to start right here in Harlem, which has the largest concentration of people of African descent that exists anywhere on this earth. There are more Africans here in Harlem than exist in any city on the African continent, because that's what you and I are, Africans. <laughs> the Charter of the United Nations, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the Constitution of the United States, and the Bill of Rights are the principles in which we believe, and that d- these documents, if put into practice, represent the essence of mankind's hopes and, uh, and good intentions, Desirous that all Afro-American people and organizations should henceforth unite so that the welfare and well-being of our people will be assured, we are resolved to reinforce the common bond of purpose between our people by submerging all of our differences and establishing non-sectarian constructive programs for human rights. We hereby present this charter, number one, the establishment, The Organization of Afro-American Unity shall include all people of African descent in the Western Hemisphere. In essence, what it is saying, instead of you and me running around here seeking allies in our struggle for freedom, in the Irish neighborhood or the Jewish neighborhood or the Italian neighborhood, we we need to seek some allies among people who look something like we do. And once we get their allies... It's time out for you and me to stop running away from the wolf, right into the arms of the fox, looking for some kind of help. That's a drag. Number two, self-defense. Since self-preservation, is the first law of nature we assert the afro-americans right to self-defense the constitution of the united states of america clearly affirms the right of every american citizen to bear arms and as americans we will not give up a single right guaranteed under the constitution the history The history of unpunished violence against our people clearly indicates that we must be prepared to defend ourselves or we will continue to be a defenseless people at the mercy of a ruthless and violent racist mob.
0: All right, so that was um, Malcolm X at the founding of the um, Organization for African American Unity and you know um and again let me put this out there i don't idolize people i admire people and i take what i can use from them and i use it no matter what the source is if it's constructive and it's going to produce justice then i will i will put that in my toolbox all right but one of the thing but malcolm x um, was learning, still learning just like all of us, and he would later um, you know give a speech in the Oxford debates about he's willing to unite with anyone as long as they was trying to produce justice. That wasn't his exact words. He said long as they trying to change this miserable condition that exists on this earth. One of the things that the African nations um, um, did, to get their independence, they were assisted by the tiny nation of Cuba, who who sent um, their people to train in guerrilla warfare, train Africans in guerrilla warfare, military tactics, and things of that nature. Um, I heard an African-American scholar one time talk trash about Fidel Castro. Now, why was he talking trash about Fidel Castro, who Malcolm X uh, met um, in Harlem? Um, He was simply trashing Fidel Castro because Fidel Castro is of European descent, okay? I don't know what his exact lineage was or if he had any African up in him, uh, but he practiced justice. All right, and they sent these Cubans to assist African American—I mean, excuse me—African nations who were seeking their independence from their European colonizers. I'll take my help from wherever it will come, because everybody who who looks like me and may even share, you know, ninety uh, percent uh, of my beliefs, ain't trying to do nothing okay they ain't trying to do nothing a lot of people talk but they ain't putting that that talk or that speech into action okay so that's why I, that's why I don't engage in xenophobia we got African people all like he said in the West western hemisphere and I, I don't engage in that okay we need as many people as possible regardless of their background to be producing justice But I do understand the concept, and I do agree with the concept that we first must seek unity among ourselves. Now, unfortunately, that's not always possible. And that's why I adhere, started to adhere to Mr. Fuller's suggestion that if you find yourself repeatedly in conflict with another black person, Eliminate your contact with that person because then if there's no contact, there's no conflict. All right. So I I unfortunately I just don't think it's possible because of divisions along many lines, okay, in, in our community, but we still should seek to unite within our own community with as many like-minded people as possible. That doesn't mean that we don't accept resources from outside the community, Just most certainly. If a non-African-descendant person wants to donate a $100,000, $1 a million dollars to the Black Talk Media Project uh, because they wanna see black people help themselves in the area of media, I'd be a fool to turn that down, okay? Now, if they want to donate it so that they can manipulate my mission and and make me get into something um, that I'm not uh, that is unethical, I'm not going to accept that money. So I just want to make that clear. So I wrote a couple of questions. Wrote a couple of questions that I want to address in terms of Afrophobia and the logical fallacies that I have observed. Uh, One of the things uh, that people will say, well, one of the questions I ask, some of the questions I will attempt to answer is, why did most African Americans adopt Christianity? What we've been told is that, I mean, excuse me, not what we've been told, but what some people believe is that does the evil white man, the evil slave, uh, a slaver beat it into us. That's not, that's, that's not true. That's not, that's not based in any kind of evidence that I have come across. So let me ask you this question. Those Africans, most of them children, you know, I still look at people at the age of 16 as children. Um uh, even though my my nephews who are about thirteen, um I think they're gonna be taller than me. They you know they they are up there. They're very, very tall, and I'm six too. Um but um most of those were children. The average age of a victim of slavery in the transatlantic slave trade was sixteen. So what were they practicing before they was captured by perhaps King Gezo, of the Kingdom of Dahomey the and then sold off to European slave traders, what were they practicing? You know, um, Kingdom of the homies' religion was they believe in a female supreme deity who had children. Those children married each other. I forget their names. I was just looking it up the other day. And and those two children who married each other, and we're, again, we're speaking spirits. Um, this is a belief, okay? But they then... Uh, started creation it 's a creationist story um just like Christians that tell you God uh created the earth in six days uh created the heavens in the earth in six days and then on the seventh day he rest, rested well that's not the only um uh faith or 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 religion that believes in a creation story okay many different religions believe in a creationist story many of them believe in a in a supreme being. Um but did those deities, those three, that Trinity, that the mother supreme and her two children, did they pray do you think those children were praying to whatever religion, African religion, they was practicing? You don't think that they was praying to their God to save them from these slavers? Do you not think how many people died or was brought over on the transatlantic slave trade, you know, outside of, of South America and Central America? But here to the Americas, I've heard an estimate of 12 million people. Um, I heard estimates as high as possibly 100 million or more um, didn't survive the trip and was just dumped into the ocean as shark bait. You know, sharks used to follow them ships and what have you because they know they was going to get fed. Do you not think they was in the hold of them ships praying to their African deities? Of course they were. Did they get an answer? Obviously not. So they landed here on these shores and they had to be questioning themselves. Why didn't whatever deity save me from these people? Why? why 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 did I find myself in a position i've I've worshipped you i I've done whatever you know the religious tenets uh called me to do, but yet I still find myself in slavery okay that could be a reason why they decided to abandon their African traditional religions. Of course, all we can do is speculate because those people ain't here today to speak for themselves. And, and you know, uh, if they pass down any information through oral traditions that could have been lost. Some of them still held on uh, to those beliefs. You can see that in the Gullah Geechee communities of South South Carolina and the Sapelo Islands that, that remain on, uh, to that. But I'm, you know, just speaking in general terms. That could be a reason why they decided to abandon those faiths. Now, we're told that uh, um, some people believe that the only reason they became Christians is because they was forced to. Look, them slavers was not trying to evangelize no Africans. First of all, they didn't even look at them as human beings. That would be like me going to the little feral cat that we have adopted and trying to evangelize the cat and tell the cat that, hey, you need to accept Jesus Christ, Mr. Kitty. <laughs> he doesn't even have a name. Anyway, I don't know what what uh, my daughters might call them. But, but anyway, they ain't look at them as human beings. They didn't think they had a soul to be saved. Okay, so they wouldn't have been trying to evangelize them. The ones that was trying to evangelize them were Christians, okay, and the slavers only permitted that because they thought Christianity would make them better workers and docile this is this is documented, but it had the opposite effect these people were 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 um engaged in hundreds of rebellions hundreds of rebellions and and so maybe they hearing these abolitionist preachers, because see, again, you want to look at this one white man who might say he's Christian, but then you want to ignore the white people like the Quakers, for example, who said from the start that slavery is wrong, that these are human beings, these people have souls and, and, you know, devoted their resources to helping these people escape slavery okay maybe they identify when they heard the story about the Hebrews again they uh, it originated in Africa perhaps they knew this heard it before and I'm going to play a video about the origins of, of Christianity um that one of our members shared with us that I, I pulled up um, for this broadcast and um so maybe they identified with the Hebrews who were enslaved by the Egyptians and then they were delivered from that slavery. Maybe they identified with that story and said, hey, if this guy can do that for those Hebrew people, he can do it for us. There are a multitude of reasons that they could have chosen to adopt Christianity and and dump whatever it was they was practicing before they became enslaved so I mean there's no one thing that we can point to there's no one thing that we could point to but we're often told you know uh, black Christians that is when people are engaging in illogical I'm going to call them illogical uh, logical fallacies which talks about illogical Examples or reasoning, flawed reasoning. One of the things they tell us, and and a lot of this is when they're trying to recruit us to something they're doing. Well, you shouldn't be practicing that. That's the white man's religion. But is it though? Is it? Is it really? Or did it originate somewhere else? So let me take a quick station identification break Um, I see we do have a caller. I'm going to go to the caller. I am not going to put myself under any kind of time uh, constraints uh, today, but caller, I see you on the board. I'll come to you after we uh, come out of this quick break um, before I play uh, this video um, about the origins of Christianity. Again, I ain't trying to convert nobody. If you don't want to hear what I'm talking about, then you may choose, choose not to listen. Okay, but when you ask me why I don't have certain programs or I rejected this, that or the other and it's not on Black Talk Radio Network, um, I will refer you back to this program. All right. So I'm taking station identification break. Um, You're listening to Black Talk Radio News. I normally broadcast Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. starting at 11 a.m. I often go up till 1 p.m. Sometimes I go over. Um, but this today, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, um, you know, because uh, the assurance adjuster is writing the check to get what we need fixed at this house fixed. And so I, I had to, you know, um, be working with him to uh, tell him what he needed to hear in order to approve the claims and what have you. So that's why I was late this morning and had to keep rescheduling. All right, we'll be back on the other side of this quick break. Uh, Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium. And welcome back to Black Talk Radio. Um, I know who this is on the board, and I'm actually this video that I'm about to play um uh from Dr. Tracy. I forget her last name, but I, I have it written down. Um, about the origins of, of Christianity and other religions But Ross shared that in, in BTR community And I watched it and I was like, okay, this is, I'm going to use this for today's broadcast Welcome to the program, Ross hope, hope that you're faring as best as you can behind these enemy lines What's on your mind?
2: peace and love to you, brother scotty peace to the other calls and listeners i hope everything is great with you and i'm glad to see that you were able to facilitate the insurance um company to do what they're supposed to do because we know that they always try not to pay for anything even though that's what you paid them for (laughs) so i'm ecstatic about that hopefully they're quick and efficient about getting whatever you need repair taken care of because he said the check
0: he said the check would be in the mail today
2: Beautiful. Okay. Hey, hey, the the creator and ancestors working in your favor, man. Put through this this insurance representative. So this is great. Now just Um, gotta
0: find some black people. And one of my cousins does want the type of work that we need done. You know, some flooring work from water damage. Um, but uh, definitely going to keep that money in the black community.
2: Beautiful, beautiful, man. I just wanted to chime in because um. Like we were talking about on BTR Community, I think that this is the most important discussion, and that is because, uh, like I said in the thread, I believe that a lot of people who, and I don't like to use the term consciousness or conscious community, I just think it's just redundant, overused, and just, just not completely accurate. But I would say for people who are coming into new knowledge, new information that they may not have had before surrounding religion itself, I believe that for Black people who are in that situation, once they are taught about the ways that, that Christianity was used as a tool of colonization, because really the the propagation of the Christian faith started on the African continent with um, the Europeans, as far as uh, as far as their involvement in it, what it was used for uh, colonization. All you have to do is go back to King Leopold's letter, and he explains it in a way that I can't even say. Right. right. He says it better than anyone else, and I think once they come in contact with that sort of information, they tend to demonize the whole religion, and a lot of times that just comes from Christians who are closed-minded, who have not read anything but the Bible, do not know the history of the religion, and are so immersed in whatever form of Christianity that they've been practicing that they're not open to hearing anything else. And when you come across a lot of people in that particular state of mind, then it tends to um, create this Animosity, where you feel like you have to prove someone wrong or denigrate them because you come across this new information. And that is completely incorrect. Um, I've gone to the Nile Valley with my family, with um, Dr. Winoko Rashidi, and um, I was able to lead parts of the tour where I was shown by people on, on the trip um, the origins of Christianity and Islam on the walls of Kemet. In Abydos, at the Temple of Philae, um the the Temple of Dendera. I mean the information is all over the place and these people were blown away just with the, some of the things that I was able to take found on um, during the trip and ultimately the whole thing in a nutshell is all three of those religions, Judaism, Christianity and Islam all started on the African continent
0: Yeah we just um, had with, um, we just had and this um, relates to the clip I'm going to play from, um, man what's her name, because you're the one who shared Tracy the clip. Meparty. Yeah, yeah, I'ma share I'ma share that Christianity and African History by Doctor Tracy McCarthy. But um, you know, she talks about in this video we're gonna hear the Ethiopian origin. Well, actually yes. of Christianity. Well, Ross la if it was last week or the week before last. The week before last, we had an Ethiopian brother who immigrated to the United States as a child with his family, ended up in, mm-hmm. in prison slavery. And you know yeah. now he is an abolitionist. That's why he was on New Abolitionist Radio. But guess what his religion? Guess back. what Go his ahead. his spiritual practice is? What's Ju- that? Judaism. He's a Jew. Yeah. And the brother he's a he's a dark skinned highly melanated African, uh, literally African from yeah. the continent, uh, Ethiopian. And he told us. I- I didn't see a white Jew till I came to the United States.
2: Thank you. I want to take sound on that because one of my master teachers and a grand ancestor today, Dr. Yosef Ben was from Gondar, Ethiopia. He was uh, what they call a Beta Israel, which is um, an original Ethiopian Hebrew. Um, and he said the first person who informed him that the Jew- Jew- Jewish religion was created in Africa was his father. His father told him, if you want to see the origins of the Torah, the New Testament, all of these books in the Bible, go to the Book of the Dead. And he said that's what started him on his path. And because, like like the other brother said, when he got to the Americas, that was the first time he ever saw a white Jew. And what happened was the white Jews were so had such a monopoly on the religion that they told him that he would have to go through a, a, a recircumcision and had to re um, re adopt his own faith in the white way in order for them to accept him and he and at that point he decided to leave judaism alone and go deeper into the original tradition which started with his own people in ethiopia sudan nubia this is where all of those religions started there was no such thing as the middle east until very recently that entire area called the middle east was northeast africa right that entire area was northeast africa so absolutely islam was a part of it and the, the thing about it that really makes it um, funny is that the re- one of the reasons it, it was easy for Africans to adopt that tradition who may have practiced African traditional religion, because you had those who practiced African traditional religion that were kidnapped and brought here slaves, and you had those who practiced Islam. Islam was already in the western part of Africa by the time certain, certain groups of people were being kidnapped and brought here. And the reason the traditional Africanists did not have a problem adopting the tradition was because, in a lot of ways, it was similar to their traditional religion. Now, if you go back and you study some of the, the biggest groups that were kidnapped and brought here, the people of Dahomey, the people, the Yoruba people from Nigeria, they practiced the Nile Valley religion, which, if you go back to Wallace Budge, he has a two-volume set for Osiris, God of the Egyptian Resurrection, and he says this in the, in the 1800s, that the oldest Christians on earth are from Nubia. Mm-hmm. And he gives all the information that you can read another book called The World Sixteen Five Saviors by Percy Graves. He gives you all the major religions, sixteen major religions, and their specific deity of worship, the latest of them being Jesus Christ, the oldest of them being Osar, aka Osiris of the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. And he shows you how all of these other religions were offshoots of that original Nile Valley religion that worshipped Asar Set and Haru, which is where the whole Trinity concept in the Bible came from. So also the other aspect that made it easy for them to adopt the religion was the fact that they were able to syncretize the african tradition to christianity so they didn't all abandon their old tradition they were able to mask their practice of it under a veil a thin veil of christianity so you have what they call the syncretic tradition in the western hemisphere Santería, which is the um orisha tradition as practiced in puerto rico you have uh mukumi which is the Orisha tradition of the Yoruba people as practiced in Cuba. You have the um what we used to call Shango Baptist in Trinidad and Tobago, which we now call the Orisha tradition of Trinidad and Tobago. And that was also syncretic. They just melded the Yoruba yeah, tradition and, and, and I of just the read Arisha.
0: I just read the other day that Voodoo that um Um, many of them practiced voodoo and it was a variation of the religion that was uh, predominant in the region of the kingdom of Dahomey. Um,
2: Yes, it's identical to the Yoruba tradition and mm -hmm. they're pretty much one and the same people. So you're you're speaking about these groups, the voodoo and voodoo was practiced in Haiti. You have voodoo, which is another variant of that that's practiced in Louisiana. And then you have Candomblé, which is another variant of the same thing that's practiced in Brazil. Mm-hmm. So these people didn't just give up their traditions; they mastered under Christianity because of the brutality and the, the yeah. Well, I believe some be of them did. So
0: high. Just, I, I believe oh, some, some did, of them some did. did
2: for sure. Yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely, but some did, and I would say for the ones that that did, they were in the most brutal, oppressive conditions regarding the practice of their religion, practicing their traditions, and speaking in their traditional. Well, terms. let me so put, put it this way,
0: were, Ross. Let me, Let me interject right here. Um, the oldest African American church was founded in the 1700s I forget the guy's name he was not ever Uh a a victim of slavery Um, a lot of people are unaware of the fact that you had African uh, uh, colonists I don't want to call them colonizers but you you have African colonists who came over here as indentured servants uh, as well and and then um also you had some that was kidnapped. I I am thinking about Martin Delaney, um, who was from mm-hmm. the Ashanti people. His mother came over there, they tried to put him into slavery, and then she was able to go to court and win um, you know, their their freedom. But anyway, um they started the African Meth the African Episcopal Methodist Church, the AME. Church. That's the first That's, church I ever yeah. went to in Detroit. There's a big AME uh, church um, in Detroit, yeah. and it and it was African uh, center, you know. And and so yeah, yeah. we had and the black church at that time that were not enslaved, you know, like the ones that founded Mother Emmanuel, which was attacked by the racist right. white supremacist uh, Dylan Roof. Um, they were the ones that were also working with the Quakers to run the Underground Railroad. Frederick Douglass, a yes, famous black Christian. Harriet Tubman. Uh, Denmark Vesey. I mean, we can go down he, the he list. Was the
2: one, he was one of the original preachers of that church, the yeah. AFC, um, the Church of South Carolina. It has a direct link to him, actually. I just wanted to toss that in So,
0: there. So what what I'm saying is, you know, to to make it short, because I do want to play this video about— um, that from Dr. Tracy is that there even Christians or people who call themselves Christians are are not in full agreement on everything and how they practice it. Um, like I told that lady last night, I'm sorry that dumb people was using them hurtful, abusive words um, because you know they're so caught up in what they believe that they don't make they're intolerant of what you believed and what have you so again i'll say i don't care what you practicing if you ain't it what you practicing and the way you practicing it ain't producing justice then it ain't worth a damn to anybody including you i
2: agree and it's crazy because dr john henry clark he used to talk about the western religions as well he grew up as a a christian under a, a heavily heavily christian grandmother who was his world his mother's grandmother and there was another female he called them the holy trinity in his life and they were strict christians and he said this he says, well, no matter what religion you practice because he was asked at one point do, do you think black people need to abandon the west three western religions and you know go back to the, the the traditions well he said the traditional religions of africa he said I, you know I, I was once christian i consider myself spiritual but he says you know as far as religion is concerned Black people need to make their religion an instrument of their liberation. Right. And if it's not, they need to throw it into the ash cans of history. So I, I we, the that. greatest example would be Denmark VC. It wouldn't be Matt Turner. It would be all of those people. It would be Robert F.
0: Williams. We don't even Robert got to F. go back that far because the black yep. church sold raffle tickets to buy the, uh, the guns for the uh, uh, black militia here.
2: Absolutely, And a lot of people are lost on that history and how Christianity created an incredible network across the country of black people who were able to make connections and do things to fight the system collectively.
0: Yeah, I just so watched the, the Deacons for Defense the other day. Oh, it's
2: incredible, incredible film. And it's just like, I think because there's this dichotomy, it's okay, the, the, the fact that it is African in origin, it was stolen by Europeans. They actually, the Romans suppressed the two oldest churches, on uh, tr- uh, tradition, Christian traditions on earth, which was the e- Egyptian Coptic Church and the Ethiopian Orthodox Church. Those are the mm-hmm. two oldest Christian traditions on earth. And the Romans had to suppress and, and almost destroy those churches in order to become the dominant form of Christianity that we know it to be today. Um, a lot of people don't know that history, but that is just factual. Yeah, the they they Christian established the, the Roman Catholic Ethiopia.
0: Church. Um, and then I don't know if you know about Martin Martin Luther, um, the yes. g- the German um, uh, monk or or our, um, German monk I believe he was a monk. But anyway, um, he started the Protestant movement, and then that exactly. was that was a split from uh, Roman Catholicism. Catholicism. Yeah. yeah,
2: they didn't like being dominated by the Vatican because the Vatican would tell them who can mar- who can get married. Um, whether or not you can be divorced, everything about your life was dictated from Rome. Mm-hmm. And the um, European countries, some of them, England being the main one, wanted to distance themselves from that. I believe um, it was—I uh, think Henry VIII. It was one of the, one of the Henrys, but he wanted to divorce his wife because she couldn't bear him a son. Right, and I that know was that story. His, Mm-hmm. And, exactly, and as a result, he broke away from, from he established the church. The church of England. He created the Anglican Church, yeah. And he wanted, and he went about killing his old wife, remarrying someone else, and doing whatever the heck he wanted to do. I, I tell so you, man, people
0: evil. do a lot of evil in the name of religion and in the name of a bunch Everything. of religions. But you know, this is—I make it simple because then you know, for me, it's simple. Um, because even in the Protestants, you got Baptists. You got Methodists, you got Episcopalians, and they don't all, they have different beliefs. They may believe in, the the one thing they believe in is that you have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to cover for your sin and what have you. And then, you know, if you keep committing sin or not saying you're doing it on purpose because then, you know, you really, um, I don't know what you are then, but a sinner. Um, But then, you know, I make a mistake. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. Like people want to bring up Dr. King the other day in another logical fallacy. Oh, Dr. King uh, was having affairs on his wife and all that. So I guess that means he wasn't a Christian. And I was like, first of all, I don't appreciate you using these white people's sources to tear down Dr. King or whatever. And even if he was cheating on his, uh, cheating on his wife. He was still a human being, and I hope that he asked for forgiveness from his, from his God, and he asked for forgiveness from his wife, okay? So right. to try to use that to bash Christians, that's just a, another illogical fallacy. But this is this is what I've come to believe after much years of studying. You know, I do not believe, as some Protestants believe, that the entire Bible is the inspired word of God, meaning that this is God speaking to you through people. Okay. I do not I do not believe that. I don't even read most books of the Bible. I've read the Bible several times in its entirety. But there are things in the Bible that I wholeheartedly reject because I know that it doesn't line up with what Jesus taught. Um, like for example, Paul. People like to quote Paul and say, slaves be obedient to your masters. Well, that's the whole story about this African um, who escaped from his Roman uh, slaver and was in jail. And then Paul, who used to kill and persecute Christians until he converted, uh, on the road to Damascus, and then them two are, are are in prison together, and Paul converts him, this African, to Christianity, and then tells him to stop running away and all this and that, and then he writes the slaver and says, "This is now your brother in Christ, and you need to stop mistreating him." And I was like, "Here's what's wrong with that picture. What's wrong with that picture? If you're gonna call me your brother, I'm your brother in Christ." Um, do we usually enslave our brothers? You wouldn't be telling that slaver to stop mistreating him. You'd be telling that slaver to set them free because that's what <laughs> Jesus taught. You yes. know what I'm saying? Uh, he, yes. came he came to free the captives. He So I don't yes. accept everything in the Bible because I know that through the years that the original word has been corrupted and people put stuff in there that they wanted to put in there and so you know other Christians will disagree with me about that but I won't argue with them I was like okay that's how you believe this is what I believe and so this is simply what I practice Jesus I read the four gospels Matthew uh, uh, Luke uh, John and and I forget the other guys Mark Mark, yeah thank you John yeah that's because that's where you find what Jesus taught. So Jesus was being asked, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So let's look at that, how we want children to obey their elders. You know what I'm saying? And love their elders. And and if you love your elder, you ain't going to bring no shame to your Parents' name. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, uh Absolutely. At, at least you're not intentionally gonna seek to do that. Now, and then he said the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So if I was trying to evangelize somebody, that is all I would share with them, except for the fact that that we were born in the sin, um Jesus was the sacrifice for that sin. Um, they no longer do animal sacrifices and all that. That's Judaism. That's not Christianity. And we accept his sacrifice to cover our sins. And, and then, um, you know, I, I, I try to um, conduct myself. that's going to bring honor um, to God. And I'm going to treat everybody. Neighbor doesn't just mean the person that lives next door to you, um, but it could be the entire community. I'm going to treat them as I would want them to treat me. Love your neighbor as you love yourself, um, as yourself. So what does that mean? That means I'm not going to be trying to seduce my neighbor's wife. I'm not going to be trying to steal my neighbor's uh, property. I'm not going to just mistreat him in any kind of way. That's as that, and he says that all of the laws, like the Ten Commandments, and all the laws you find in the Old Testament, and all the prophets, all everything they taught, just hung on those simple two commandments: love God and love your neighbor. That's simple for me, Roz.
2: Absolutely, and the simpler, simpler the better. You know, exactly. The, I think it just makes things straightforward to the point, and it's just that a, a most most people don't tend to look at things in that simple way like that they go into all the different nuances that agree with whatever biases they have or well, whatever they've been taught a lot of right or what they've been taught so you get a lot of confusion around that but i think the way that you just said it is perfect straightforward and to the point and um it's, it's just so much information that I think most people are missing, and they only look at that the one side, and the one side will have to be that okay, we you know we were oppressed, we were enslaved, we were mistreated, and a big part of that mistreatment was also shrouded in in the slave master's variation of what he called Christianity, and this is what he came to us, but and it's it, but like it's the, not The, the problem addressed. with that
0: though, Ross, is. They leaving out the abolitionists who were Christians as exactly. well. They don't. They lead them out because why would I share that information with you if I'm trying to get you to believe what I believe? And I hate Christianity, so I'm just going to use those examples. And I'm gonna ignore this whole abolitionist community that you know through New Abolitionist Radio. I, we used to do a profile in abolitionism of yes. a person pair. There was a reverend, a white guy by the name of, uh, I think it was Anthony Bueller or Buley or something, and he was abolitionist, and he was preaching abolitionism through his sermons and ending slavery. They ran him out of Texas, followed him to Missouri, killed him, boiled his bones, and then put his bones up in a, a store, and little children would play with those bones.
2: Wow, that's almost what they did to um Patrice Lamont, but they just threw him in acid after they um they burned his body. So yeah. Wow. That and you know it's crazy that you said that because with with the um abolition, I used to work with a, a black Quaker. This was the only black Quaker I've ever met. I didn't even know they existed. And we ended up having a discussion about, you know, the Quakers and um, slavery and she said everything you said that they were you know they were abolitionists and from the very beginning they were against it yeah, this guy now, not all Quaker, of them was gen- were genuine but as a general they were about that work and they did help you know a lot of our people mm-hmm. and he made me think of another abolitionist situation there's a guy named Dr. Edward Robinson he died he was, he lived until his like I think late 90s and he was from Philadelphia um, he was a lawyer an educator and a bunch of other stuff and um he talked about the fact that the reason that he was able to trace his roots all the way back to the, um, I believe it was the Igbo people, was due to abolitionist assistance. When his third great-grandmother was brought here on a um, slave ship, it was actually illegal at that time because slavery was already abolished in the United States. And there was a guy who was attempting to bring slaves in illegally. And at that time, he said that there were um, boat patrols, the abolitionists, abolitionists would have boat patrols on the eastern coast of the United States to intercept any illegal slave dealers that were trying to get slaves from Africa to the United States. And he said that um, there, these men, these abolitionists, caught the slave ship that his great-great-great-grandmother was on. They um, took the slaves. They I think they killed all the people on the slave ship, they took the slaves off the ship And I think he said it was 11 families, Mm -hmm. because it's a video on YouTube that's just profound. Mm -hmm. Each one of the white families took the slaves that were on the ship to New Jersey. His family ended up in New Jersey, and they remained as free as they could be with the white families that adopted them. Mm -hmm. Now, it was because they they chose to keep the family members on the slave ship together. So if it was mother, son, and husband, then that, that white family would adopt the whole family. So in other words, everybody was kept together. Nobody was split apart. And as a result, his grandmother was able to teach her daughter, who was able to teach her daughter, who was able to teach him exactly where they came from, how they got there, that the fact that his, um, his third great-grandfather was an incredible artisan, he was a sculptor, and that white people used to raid his village in West Africa and steal his art. And his wife told him she was pregnant at the time, do not go and fight them because he wanted to fight them, because they'll kill you and they'll end up enslaving all of us. Mm. So he was so fed up with them doing it, he actually fought them. They did kill him and they took his wife. And um he said that um he said that when they got her here, she was able to pass on that knowledge because the family was together and that the slave slave masters in the United States were um, questioning, the guy was actually, I believe, from Germany. They were trying to figure out how to best um, reduce slave rebellion. And they brought this specialist from, I believe it was Germany, to the United States. And he asked them, he said, "Um, do your slaves know where they come from? The slave masters here said yes. He said, do they know how great their, their people were and how valiant a fight they put up against being enslaved? They said yes. He said, well, that's your problem. He said, you know, when you bring, he said, for example, if you bring a woman here from Africa, let's say she's pregnant, when she she gets here, as soon as she gives birth, you ship the child to the other side of the country and you work her to death. And that way, the child will never get any information about who they were, where they came from, and you can tell them whatever you want. And in one generation, you can transform their consciousness by completely disconnecting them from their African heritage.
0: And then also, you know, that that's another (laughs) example of how some of them might have became Christians, because spirituality is just something I think humans naturally gravitate to. They recognize that there's a higher power outside of themselves. And as I stated before, you know, they may have identified with the Hebrew victims of slavery um, by the Egyptians, even though I don't believe that's a true story. I believe it's just a story. It's an allegory, um, yeah. as I heard Dr. Clark say, because there's no evidence it'll of any, any yeah, kind of uh, uh, mass enslavement in Egypt. There's no archaeological uh, evidence, okay? It's, it's just a story. Absolutely. It's like a fable. It's a point to the story, okay? Uh, and so, you know, there are Christians who will definitely dispute me on that, but, you know, it's not about me. I wouldn't even dispute them. I'm like, okay, you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, but you know, you still my brother. I still love you. You still my sister. Um, let's end white supremacy. Let's end slavery. Let's right. not sit up here okay. and argue about whether this story is true or not. You know what I'm saying? Man. Yes. So, yes. so, um, let me get into, let me get into this video that, that you had shared, sure. shared I'll meet with myself. Me. Okay. Um, but, uh, anytime in the future you want to jump in, please do. Um, I want to play this because one of the logical fallacies is to say that this is the white man's religion, like he invented it, okay? And not that I'm picking on white people, but your track record speak for itself. You know, you stolen everything. <laughs> you know, people come up with inventions and what have you, and you steal it. So, you know, I'm not saying something that's not documented. So... They stole these religions from Africa, and then, in some cases, perverted them and added to it and whatnot and That's why you know I believe it's important um for Christians to study for themselves and not go up under people. I'm not saying no one can teach you, but you have to study for yourself and 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 you know ask for understanding from your higher power but this is from um Dr. Tracy. McCarthy, doctor Tracy McCarthy, she came out with this video this year. Um it is posted in BTR community in the thread for today's show. It's called Christianity and African
3: History. Hi everyone, welcome to the Community Classroom. This is Dr. Tracy McCarthy, psychologist, attorney, and educator, and we're going to quickly look at some religious history that is often overlooked when individuals are discussing the history of Africa, the history of Europe, and the history of America, and also the history of the slave trade. And so we're going to look at some history in Africa that is not frequently acknowledged and is primarily related to the history of Christianity. There's a belief by many people that Christianity came out of Rome and then somehow made its way to West Africa and then spread across from there. But that narrative is not actually historically accurate. And so we're going to look at how Christianity started in Africa and how it spread, but then how it went out of Africa and then came back into Africa through the West and how those were different types of Christianity. And to do this we're going to focus primarily on Ethiopia. If this video appears on anything other than Dr. Tracy McCarthy it is stolen and unauthorized. Let's get started. Thing that's interesting about Messianic depictions is that individuals and cultures tend to have Messianic depictions that look like the actual people, and so many people are used to seeing depictions coming out of Europe, but one thing you'll note is that depictions in Africa, in Ethiopia, we're talking about East Africa here, uh, the depictions tend to look like the individuals who are uh, in that particular land space. Many may not be familiar with the Saint Catherine Monastery. It's actually located in Africa and it is the oldest Christian monastery in functional use in the entire world. Now this monastery sits at the base of Mount Horeb and one thing that's really interesting about it is that this is where Moses was said to receive the tablets of the law and this place, this site, Uh, on which it is located, it is considered sacred to Christians, Muslims, and Jews. And here you can see East African clergy. One thing that happens when individuals think about Africa, they are often encouraged to only think about traditional African religions or to think about Islam in terms of Africa and what is uh, rooted in Africa. One thing that many individuals might not know is that monastic life was integral to early Christianity in Africa. And of course, we're talking about East Africa. And this spiritual life practice was instrumental in those adherents remaining focused on God and not being distracted by the many social and political cares of the world. And so you can see clerics here on the screen to get an idea of You know, what was going on spiritually in Africa in early times and what you have going on even now that many people around the world are not aware of. And here you have additional depictions of individuals understood in the East as Christians. What's interesting is the variation in terms of headdress. And you even see to the left an individual clergy who is wearing a fez. And again, this is East Africa. And so it's something that many people don't talk about or study when they are thinking about Christianity. And here you see additional East African individuals engaged in that monastic life. Many people don't recognize the importance of Ethiopia in terms of Christian history. And one thing to remember is that in addition to what is known as Egypt, that which is known as Ethiopia featured prominently in the history of the early Christian church. So accordingly, many Christian monks existed and continue to exist in Ethiopia. And again, this is something that is not talked about and many people just simply don't know it. Part of the history of Christianity in East Africa involves a narrative whereby the Romans came into Ethiopia and demanded that the uh, clerics, the bishops, give up their scripture. They had what was considered the early scriptures and they still do have them and uh, they were given a choice of persecution, uh, and many of them chose persecution over giving up the scriptures. They ha- again, these were original scriptures they had, and so they chose to run into the wilderness. Now, there is a famous place in Ethiopia that houses many of the religious figures in Ethiopia in terms of Eastern Christianity and they are sitting atop a mountain and that is their monastery. And you can only get up by rope so it's not a place that you can just go to and visit if you would like to and there are only men there also. And they spend a significant amount of time in study and prayer and you can see the little cubbies. Uh, inside of the uh, area there where the individuals actually can sit and study and read. Also noteworthy is that Ethiopia is home to the Ethiopian Orthodox Church and it's one of the oldest Christian churches in the world. And here you can see the clergy on the mountain. And here you can see a display of some of the readings that they have housed on the mountain. And here you see another depiction of clergy and this individual again is wearing a headdress that is very similar to what would be considered a fez but actually sort of branching out in a different kind of direction. And here you get to see also additional Christian clergy on top of the mountain in Ethiopia. And here you can see a depiction of Deberdamu. This is that mountain monastery there. And this ancient monastery at Deberdamu, it remains the oldest Christian church standing in Ethiopia right now. And it sits on top of a very high plateau situated north of what is known as Aksum. And Aksum is located in the northern region of Ethiopia. And it was an ancient African kingdom that was known for extreme wealth and learning and the narrative also indicates that this particular space was uh, relevant to the Queen of Sheba and Solomon and there was the assertion that according to Ethiopian tradition that the Ark of the Covenant rests in this area and remains under the watchful guard of a Christian priest. And here you get to see clergy on top of that plateau and you get to see someone actually climbing up the plateau to gain entry into uh, the area there. It's very restricted and you can only come up by this rope. And here you can see a visitor being uh, given some assistance to make the rest of that climb. And here you can see clergy actually reading scripture at Deborah Damu. Again you can see it's large and this is very old. They have the old scriptures uh, there. Now it's important to remember that the clergy actually live their lives uh, on this plateau and so they actually live and die on this plateau. When people tend to think about the church diaspora, they tend to think about the diaspora coming out of Rome and then spreading out. But what people may not know is that there is an actual African church diaspora and Ethiopian clerics have been at home in Jerusalem for over a century. And here is another depiction of that. Another notation related to the Ethiopian Orthodox Church is that it has been the dominant spiritual force and political force in Ethiopia for the past 17 centuries. And what has resulted has been this dynamic whereby you have a mixture of ancient African cults and Christian doctrine in that area. Now, there is often talk about having a pope from Africa, and what many don't realize is that there have already been three popes that came from Africa. So you have one in 189 through 198 A.D., then one from 311 to 314 A.D., and then another from 492 to 496 A.D. And according to the USA Today, North Africa was considered the actual Bible belt of early Christianity, with Carthage being the buckle. And when we look at Pope Victor, the first, we see that he served from 189 to 199, and Pope Victor was an African native, and he was the first pope to celebrate mass in Latin versus Greek and he died, it was speculated, from martyrdom. And here you can see Miltiades and what you see down at the bottom if you look closely you see a fair and remember a fair is the name for Africa. And then we also have Galatius, and he was reputed for his focus on justice, learning, charity, and holiness. Again, if you look down at the bottom, off to the right, you'll see a fair again. And so many people are confused about the early name for Africa or what Africa was called. Uh, But this is also consistent with the communication that went to King Charles related to the early name of Africa being a fair, which means hidden uh, concealed, cloaked. Now, of course, in addition to Ethiopia, you have Egypt in terms of being that base for the Coptic Church of Africa, and this dates to the origin of Christianity. And Copts assert that their church was founded by the Apostle Mark in Alexandria in 57 A.D. Many people are unaware of the fact that there are multiple popes, and so you also have the African Coptic Pope, and Pope is father, basically. And so you have Pope Shenouda, this is Pope Shenouda III for the African Coptic Papacy. Now what is interesting to note about Africa, both east and west, is this confederation of those individuals understood as operating under the Abrahamic faiths. And so you have justifications being given for slavery from those who are understood as both Christian and Islamic and often again working in concert. And here you can see another depiction of individuals understood as Islamic or Moors uh, involved in the slave trade in Africa and the slave trade. Many people don't understand this, but the bulk of the slave trade was going on in Africa in the east. And so there was a major point of departure from the east going further east and then going from the east to the west. And again, you have this justification for slavery coming from uh, all of those uh, religions under the Abrahamic umbrella. So you see here a notation that says the slavery of the quote unquote heathen races was sanctioned by the divine law of the Old Testament. And the system of Roman slavery was allowed to Christians by the apostles in the New Testament. And it was regarded as a providential arrangement of society by the fathers, the councils, the theologians, uh, and all of the commentators in every branch of the church for more than 18 centuries. And so you can see here this justification for what individuals know is inherently wrong. They know that slavery is wrong, but they come up with a justification for it because it really ties into their own selfish need to do what they want to do versus what natural law dictates.
0: All right, I'm going to stop it there. You can watch the rest of the video. It is posted in BTR Community. Uh, for my show notes, so if you're listening um, on blacktalkradionetwork.com dot com on the page for this specific program, you'll find the link at the bottom. Um, if you're listening on the podcast as well, you'll find it there as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna leave it there on on that note um, because I like you know the accurate language that she used and that these people knew and she talked about all the face, all the all three f af- eight uh excuse me, Abrahamic faith in these men making up a justification for slavery. But again, this is why I stick to to the four gospels and, and the teachings as I said earlier. I reject Paul talking about go back to your master and and be obedient. And then the the logical fallacy and because it's a contradiction of you're gonna tell this slaver that this is now your brother in Christ. Well, you ain't supposed to enslave your brothers. In in Paul in the in the um, in his books in the Bible um, doesn't tell that slaver to do that. And like he and so again, you know people will use all kind of means to obtain control of the over other people and they will use uh, those mechanisms of control with religion being one of them um to enrich themselves for their own uh selfish uh gain. And so this is again why You know, I don't even attend a church anymore. Um, I'm often told by some of my relatives, well, the Bible says you're not supposed to foresee the coming together of the body of Christ. So I was like, well, everybody, uh, because that's what the church means. The church isn't four walls in a building, and a roof. Um, The church is the people who belong to that faith. And I tell them, well, I don't have to go to church because I am among a body of believers in my own household. So and and we have church every day in our interactions with with each other. I'm not gonna say, you know, we sit up here and study together uh like that, even though my sister was just in there uh studying with my nephews and what have you. But um again this is a lack of understanding, this is a lack of, of information, um, and this is just a lack of desire for people um to engage in, in scholarship. Um so again, just cause I put on a lab coat, don't make me a doctor. Um, just cause I put on a, a, a baseball uniform, don't make me a baseball player. Okay. And, and so we have to understand that the nature of man is evil and evil people will use whatever means, um, that they can to gain a uh, power over other people. Now, um, speaking to as she was talking about mostly catholicism um i don't even think she touches on protest uh, uh Protestantism, but um one of the reasons uh also i reject catholicism is because i can have access to god by uh, and pray to god myself and i don't need no priest to be no intermediary that's what Jesus was for. That's what Jesus is for, um, to advocate to God the Father and say what I may not be saying properly in terms of my prayers um, to the Father and relate that to him. I don't believe that I need to go to a priest and confess to a man. I don't have to confess to no man. I, I, confess, to, I, I confess my sins and ask for forgiveness directly um, to uh, uh, the Father, uh, God, not a man. Okay, Um, So, again, you know, we use these logical fallacies. We we use people who say that they're Christian and they may um, actually, you know, believe that they're practicing Christianity. But then, um, you know, um, I will find that many, not many of them, but some of the things that they're doing don't line up. With, with the Bible. For example, I cannot stand prosperity preaching. I uh, actually wrote a wrote a short, I wouldn't call it a book, but a pamphlet. And I was writing it for my mother, actually. But in the book of Hebrews, you know, um, when you hear these preachers saying that you got to give 10% of your income uh, first fruits and what have you to the church uh, and the church is supposed to represent God and that was abolished. That was abolished. That came from when the priest had to make sacrifices animal sacrifices for people sin that's all they did and they didn't have time to farm themselves or engage in any other so you're supposed to take 10% of your harvest and give it to the church so the priests can eat and feed their families that's where what that was for but then when the priesthood was abolished and and, and what have you there was no then that law was abolished as well of having to give uh, 10% now I do believe if you belong to any organization if you're using the facilities if you're using the infrastructure um if you're getting something out of it you should support it um financially but we have greedy people who have taught this lie um who are using it to extract wealth from people who don't know it any better okay so um i just wanted to put that put that out there you're not even going to find agreement um or uniformity um in 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 their in christian practices among christians okay so you just not it, it, it's just not happening so again this probably be the last time i ever do a program like this i've never in my 11 years of being on air i have never gone this deep into my spiritual beliefs or any any spiritual beliefs because I'm following, because my path is not, I'm not called to be an evangelist and convert you to what I believe. What, um, what I'm trying to convert people to, to be are abolitionists, to end slavery. What I'm trying to convert people to be are independent um, voices on the radio sharing constructive information. I was called to create um, black Talk Radio Network and the Black Talk Media Project. I wasn't I wasn't called to come on here and and try to Christianize you. But at the same time, I have black self respect, and I have respect for uh, my fellow brothers and sisters. That I'm not going to allow people to come on here and disrespect Christians. Disrespect. Uh, uh, people who practice Islam, disrespect. It's not necessary. It has nothing to do with our our liberation. Now, of course, in my individual quest for liberation, I do uh, incorporate... Uh, My my religion, just like, for example, you know, soldiers going into war during the civil war, black soldiers going into war and praying for they went into battle and what have you and and praying for victory and, and all of that. But that has nothing to do. With the mission of Black Talk Radio Network, the mission of Black Talk Radio Network is to unify black people, give them correct information, give them the means to um, of mass communication, so that we can organize against our oppressor. Okay, so so this be the last time I ever go in into this deep into my spiritual beliefs. But again, I work with anybody. I take you, you know. Um besides my the four gospels, my biggest teacher is Malcolm X. And he's a Muslim. But that don't stop me from recognize recognizing a truth when I see it. Um Mr. Fuller, I don't agree, and again, I don't agree with everything Malcolm X say, but I don't agree with everything Mr. Fuller say. But there is a lot of constructive information that both of those individuals share. Um, Mr. Fuller does it in a non-religious fashion, even though, as I pointed out to others, you know, his his 10 basic stops, the victims of racism to practice in speech or action are some of the principles that I find in the Bible, like stop killing, stop robbing, stop stealing. Stop being, you know, discourteous, which is another way of saying, you know, looking to offend people, being rude to people. Stop name calling. You're not supposed to engage um, in in those sort of things. Not if you're trying to live at peace with people. Not if you say you love someone. um, As we say, oh, I love my people. Then why are you attacking, attacking them like that then? because they don't share the same spiritual aspect check your religion at the door are they trying to produce justice if they're trying to produce justice the best way they know how then what do you have to criticize you work on what you need to work on to produce justice okay so you know again i i i have a um i, I a yeah go ahead ross Thank you for chiming in, because oh, so I get much. out of breath, man. No problem. Um, Ross, before <laughs> you do, it. let me play this one, uh, since we're coming to the top of the hour. Let me play okay. um, this promo, and then we'll come No uh, problem, I'll and I'll come back
2: afterwards.
0: Okay, you're listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I broadcast this program Monday through Fridays at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, we had a late start, and that's why I'm on. Um, late, please continue to support um, the non-religious work of Black Talk Media Project and creating independent media platforms for the diaspora. I would like to one day be able to even travel to Africa and help them set up digital radio as I was invited to Nigeria by um, some Christians in Nigeria, but Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not in a condition to do long traveling like that. And then also, since they was going through a white person, I became very suspicious and I was like, um, no, I need to pray about this. No, I'm not going over there. I don't know any of these people and I'm not going to walk into a trap. Okay. But I would like, would like to be able, my own power, be able to even travel to Africa as it becomes more technologically advanced and help them establish these digital uh, radio stations. So let me take this break and we will be back on the other side.
5: No, it really isn't, because, see, people are thinking in terms of, well, they want to brag about being black, which means that they are implying that there's something incorrect about being white, even though these are the creations of the creator. See, and then so everybody gets into this black pride thing or white pride thing, and people immediately start taking sides. It's not about taking sides based on black and white. It's about taking sides based on justice and non-justice. Well, that's what you're really aiming for. Being black doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in justice. And being white doesn't mean anything if you don't believe in justice, except you mean you believe in non-justice. And that doesn't make any difference what shade you are or how tall you are or who your cousin was or anything like that or what so-called nationality you have, like a lot of people say that they pr- take pride in being an Englishman or take pride in being a Frenchman or take pride in being Afrocentric. Well, you're not supposed to be proud of any of those things if you don't believe in justice because these words mean nothing. No nationality means anything and, and waving a flag if you don't believe in not mistreating people. You've got to believe in not mistreating people and you got to believe in helping people that need help the most. Otherwise, you don't even have any business breathing
0: and that was uh mr fuller talking about producing justice and one thing before i go go to ross why still on my mind another logical fallacy i heard somebody recently say and because since i brought up nigeria and my invitation in nigeria is that uh those nigerian christians got this giant statue the largest statue in the world of white jesus and what have you okay um I get the criticism. Um, that even goes against what Dr. Uh, Tracy was just talking about. If you go to Ethiopia and you look at their paintings and stuff of Jesus, uh, uh, he's black. He's black. And so people tend to make those pictures or paintings or whatever uh, reflect themselves. Okay? Um, to me, uh, and I'm not bashing anyone or, or whatever, you got to work out your own salvation, you got to work these things out in your mind. But you know what? We don't have no pictures of Jesus in our house. Um, We don't have any little statutes or whatnot. You know why? Because we are taught by the scriptures to not make any kind of what, what they call idols. Idols idols are statues. You know, the story about the golden calf and what have you. You're not supposed to make a physical representation. This is even in Islam. You're not, you know, you get in trouble drawing pictures. You'll get in trouble with some Muslims by drawing pictures, depictations of Allah. OK, or or the Prophet Muhammad, I believe, but but ally for sure, you know. So I'm one of those. No, I, I don't need no pictures. I don't need no statues. That's idolatry. That's idolatry. And I don't need idolatry in my life and it comes idolatry comes in many different forms outside of religion you what you call celebrity worship that's idolatry that's why they call celebrities back in the day they used to call them idols a teen idol when they talk about certain movie stars oh elvis presley is a teen idol and what ha- well um my faith teaches me to reject idols and that in, that includes whether they are human idols or whether they are made of stone or paper and paint. Go ahead, Ross.
2: Ah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, there's a few things I wanted to talk about as far as the last discussion and the um, clip you played. Um, now, the removal of images in those religions, the Western religions, um, actually was another... Way to remove its Africanness because when you get back to the, the traditions of the Nile Valley, they use images in a sacred form. So it wasn't that they were worshiping an image of a hawk or, or any other thing. What they were worshiping or paying homage to, not really worshiping, but paying homage to, was the principle in nature that that particular entity stood for. Um, so it's almost like when you see a sheriff and you see him with that six-pointed star you don't think he's Jewish that star that six-pointed star is a badge that lets you know his position and the fact that he is in in a position of authority so these particular animal symbols and and pictures were meant to hit the deep subconscious and reveal certain spiritual precepts and information and that was removed for a reason when when the religion was commandeered by Europeans and um, Arabs I just wanted to put that out there now the, 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 the hat that Dr. McCarthy was talking about that she related to a fez, um, the difference between it is that a fez has a narrowing top and that one had more of a, a branching out in the opposite direction top. That is a variant of what was known as the flat-top hairstyle. And a lot of African hairstyles oh, really? actually became crowns. I used to have yeah. a
0: flat-top. Yeah. High-top yeah, flat-top.
2: Top. High-top yeah, high flat-top. And it's funny because a lot of those hairstyles became African crowns. If you look at uh, Nefertiti's famous bust, she has a crown in the form of a flat top. That that was a hairstyle that was converted into a crown in the Nile Valley. There's a bust of King Tut wearing the same exact headdress that she showed in that picture. Um, there's an actual wooden bust of him in Kemet that I actually saw of of that same um, particular headdress. Now the crazy part about this, it gets even crazier. Is this Justinian, the um, the the I believe it's Roman. The the Roman Emperor Justinian, or... um, Let me see. Let me just do it up.
0: While you're trying to recover that, I do want to point out that the Romans um, were... When she was talking about what came into my mind, when you hear about the Romans sacrificing Christians and what have you and feeding them the lions and what have you, um, she was talking about them Ethiopians and what and, and and the Romans were paganists. They were, you know, worshiping all kind of different um um you know, you had to look at Roman mythology. So they were steeped in in mythology. And again, I'm I'm not I'm not using this to bash what they believed or, or anything. I'm just, you know, stating facts here. Um, but, um, you know, I guess they would kill them when they wouldn't give up the scripture. And I also think they were talking about giving up the religion, renounce whatever they were practicing. Um, but then, you know, it was an African pope, I believe it was Constantine, that then changed the Roman Empire and made it Christian. But still, a kept some of those paganistic rituals and what have you um, so that the pagans would, would, you know, not reject like you were saying earlier, Ross, about some of the victims of slavery incorporating um, their African traditional um, beliefs um, and incorporating it into this European form of Christianity that they, if they were being, you know, mistaught and it was being used as a tool of oppression. Again, all the Christians in the United States we're not trying to practice slavery. We're not trying to practice racism and actually made up the core of the, um, abolitionist movement. But that just came, came to my mind, you know, how, uh, in Roman Catholicism, it still has some of those paganistic rituals. And that's so that they could more easily adopt these people into the, into, um, the Christianity that they was practicing, which, you know, again, is not the same one I practice. Go ahead, Ross. Did you recover your thought? Yes. He w-
2: yes, I did. He was a Byzantine emperor, Justinian the first. He during, during at 537 AD was when he ordered the last committed uh, now Valley original Nile Valley indigenous religious temple to be closed because that old system was in competition with early Christianity so, in order for Christianity to have a, a more dominant foothold in Africa and the Mediterranean basin in general, they had to close down the last temple. He was the one who ordered that. And that—that that is the official, considered the official death of the Kemetic tradition. Now, when the Coptic church was created, they continued to use the ancient Egyptian language, what they would call uh, Meduneter. They just um, converted it to a liturgical form. So, when you go to the Coptic church, they speak in. A variant of the original Meduneta language but only in the church and outside of the church they speak Arabic now um, so so Justinian was the emperor after Constantine who really solidified Christianity's hold on the African continent in its commandeered and manipulated form Um, also uh, the the tithe now the modern era of tithing after the Bible had uh, pretty much forbid it was king leopold a lot of people don't
0: believe that though a lot of christians my mom don't believe that she doesn't believe (laughs) that and that's not a common belief here and and because again the purpose of the program is afro christophobia in the united states um you know among uh, uh, the diaspora but again that's my that's what how i interpret um hebrews chapter seven is that Um, the priesthood which was the reason for the tithing so that they could you know uh, have sustenance since all day long and all night into the night they making blood sacrifices for the people sin Um, that was the reason but then Jesus came and that was the ended that priesthood so if it ended the priesthood it also did away with that law and you know I can't recall what I had wrote back down but I tried to talk to my mom about that I'm saying mom You ain't got, you, you can still donate money to the different ministries that you support, that you, you know, believe from your research is doing work, good work with your money, but don't believe that you have to do it. You know, 10%, you know, you give whatever is put on your heart to give, but that law has been done away with. You don't have to tie these prosperity preachers talking about, you know, you robbing God. That's a lie. And I tried to show her in in the book of Hebrews, but hey, Ross, I couldn't get through to her. But you know, hey, I would, it's, I it's, it's still her it's so her good. money to do it, whatever she want to do. I shared the truth with her, and she rejected that. So, hey, I'm not going to allow, allow it to cause any further or not nice. that we had any division. We had a disagreement over the tithing, but that's not going to cause any kind of uh, animosity or anonymity between me and my mother. I just leave it alone.
2: Absolutely. And what I would say is just show her the opposed letter because he actually says, you know, take the African donations that, you, you know, make them provide um, to build thriving business centers. So there's the origin of taking these quote-unquote tithes and basically using them as theft tools to create, you know, European facilities and buildings and thriving business centers is how he described it in his letter to his missionaries. So that modern concept of tithing was a tool of theft that was facilitated by King Leopold and other people who were basically robbing Africa. <laughs> and you can read that. That's one of the most profound letters in the history of humanity, I think. Um, also... A lot of people don't know that uh, Ethiopians use the whole Bible. There's a ton of books missing in the Bible. There's a great book called "The Lost Books of the Bible" and um, "The Lost Books of the Bible," that has all of the books of the Bible in it, and those are all the books that the Ethiopians use. A lot of people don't know that Mary herself was born of an Immaculate Conception. When you go and read that book, "The Lost Books of the Bible," it has something called "The Total Evangelion." of um Adam and Eve, which tells the story of what happened to Adam and Eve when they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden and they went into the cave. That's how they describe it. So we know what people came from the cave. So it's just very interesting. Like if people want to get a more holistic understanding of the tradition and I would say definitely that's a book you want to get, the lost book of the Bible and the forgotten books of Eden. Yeah. Um also uh, one example of how uh matter of fact, I'll just say this first. The first three female martyrs of Christianity were African females. The first three female martyrs that were killed in the name of that religion were African Some people may not know know what martyr means.
0: Explain to them what martyr
2: means. Sure. A martyr is a person who lays their life on the line and gets killed for their belief, and they're not willing to sacrifice their beliefs in order to save their own life. So they're willing to accept death in order to remain true to their spiritual position on their faith and their tradition. And that the, the first three female martyrs of Christianity were black females. I know the one of the names that stands out to me immediately is Perpetua. Um, and she was one of them. You had Augustine, who was um, one of the early black uh, popes. He also was the one who made the official language of Christianity Latin. He was from modern-day Tunisia, if I remember correctly. Um, and he was brilliant. People should really read about him. Also, one of the ways that the... the African traditions were corrupted in the Christian faith is just the concept of an immaculate conception. Most people are taught that the immaculate conception means to be born without a father. That is actually not true in its original form. An immaculate conception, as far as the way the originators of Christianity espoused it, was any birth in which the mother could be 100% sure of who the father of that child was, was considered an immaculate conception. The reason why is because before DNA testing became in vogue, the only way a man would truly know if a child was his was if the mother was solely with him sexually and could say, I know without a fact this is the only man that I slept with, that is the father of my child. So an immaculate conception actually meant what's known as a clean birth. And a clean birth is a birth in which the mother knew who the father of the child is. Mm-hmm. And Romans corrupted that into meaning being born without a father. So I just wanted to put that out there so people know. And then if you go back to the most ancient um, European churches, they worship Black Jesus. You got Black Jesus statues and pictures all well, over Europe. Well, didn't if they? Go the didn't statues, they also go try to
0: purge uh, some of those uh, artifacts that uh, they did? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Didn't they try to purge them? Oh, they did try to, but they're
2: still there. They got them all over Russia. They got them all over Europe. Even when you go to St. Peter's Basilica in, in the Vatican. Um, they have a white image of Peter in the front. So when you walk in, you're seeing this white image of Peter. But if you go into, I believe it's in the basement, they have a pitch black image of Peter, which is where the Pope's go to actually pray. Then also in the Vatican, you had a black image of Jesus that was located in the basement of the Vatican. And they said that so many Pope's that kiss the feet on that painting, that the feet are white and the rest of of the painting is black. Mm. Also, most people don't know this I put it in an essay that I wrote That was um, published in the Journal of Pan-African Studies uh, Notre Dame, the temple at the church that just burned in uh, in Notre Dame That is the oldest known temple Dedicated to the worship of Aset Or Isis Outside of the African continent In ancient times
5: mm. So
2: they actually worshipped Asar, Set and Heru In Notre Dame And if you go into the basement of that building You will find pictures of the black Madonna, a set, holding Heru or Horace on her lap and him suckling her,
4: mm.
2: which is exactly the image that they stole to create the Madonna suckling the Christ child. Right. And so there's a lot of this information information that our people are not aware of or privy to, but if you really, really just do the study, it will blow your mind. And I have tons and tons of books that I personally own, I study all the time. This is one of my areas. Of but this, is,
0: this is why I asked the question, you know, the logical mm-hmm. fallacy that's used to engage in Afro-Christophobia is, is this really yeah. the white man's religion? Okay. And and again, many different religions have been per, uh, perverted. Cults have sprung up. Um, we got some people mm-hmm. practicing religion that's only been around not even a hundred years. So you know, I appreciate all the knowledge you're sharing uh, with us, um, Ross, but, you know, you're just really reconfirming to me that I'm on the right, right path for keeping it simple. You know, you,
2: yeah. I, want, I wanted to do that. Yeah, you, you, you know,
0: that. yeah, I'm not saying I, no, I'm not saying you're doing anything incorrect, but I'm saying. All of this all of this different stuff, all of this different variations, all even the perversions and yeah. and and all of that is is why That's I don't funny. debate religion with people, man. I don't debate religion with people. I agree. You know, I mean, I'd be like, look, again. my faith rests on the fact that, that I accept Jesus as my as as my savior or the payment for my sin. Um I, I really believe that. And I just try to um, uh, walk in love towards everybody. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to accept mistreatment, okay? So, you know, this notion that that Christians are supposed to be nonviolent, you know, uh, when Jesus is supposed to come back in the Bible, he's coming back uh, with an army, to kill people, you know what I'm saying? To Matter kill of that, people. I saw a
2: documentary about early Christianity. Yeah, and, and my wife also, with me. And also. they were being persecuted in the Middle East. And yeah. there was a, a a church that the Christians had set up like a military fortress that was invaded. I forget what group of people were trying to kill these Christians. But, and uh, they literally had holes in the ceiling for the Christians to push spears through, and they were spearing the soldiers that were coming to kill them. So Christians weren't were not playing back then. So let, wife, me, let me let me share like, oh, this Christians with weren't you. Playing. I they weren't playing. Let Go me ahead, share this
0: with you. I I changed my mom's opinion on that by sharing scripture with her, and and it wasn't me who convinced her; it was another black uh, pastor. And when it talked about when. Uh, Uh, Jesus was being seized in the garden after he had prayed seized by the Romans and one of the one of his disciples cut the ear pulled his sword out see they were carrying swords pulled his Mm -hmm. sword out and cut the ear off of that Roman soldier and Jesus told told him the time I'm paraphrasing the time is not now the time is not now for the sword because I got to go through this to be the final payment for sin for mankind but Jesus also told them when you go out there in the field sell your cloak sell whatever you have if you ain't got no sword get a sword and so now my mom is not opposed to us owning weapons and what have you because of that you know because because of that so so this thing about us being passive um, I'm just going to speak here in the United States we never been passive Don't mistake Dr. King's tactic because he knew we weren't organized and we weren't uh, fully armed to be able to take on a substantial military force, one of the most powerful military forces, and so that's why he didn't want to engage in um, um, uh, violence. That's why he didn't endorse um, violence, because he knew they'd be slaughtered, you know? Uh, It would be a great slaughter. Um, But that that is not um, something in Christianity some people will tell you that but that's not something I believe so again what again all, we're still talking about beliefs right we're still anytime Absolutely. you're talking about spiritual or religious things you're talking about a belief we're not talking about facts okay
2: I wanted um, to speak on that briefly yeah we're talking I'll about religious
0: it. beliefs and so right it's illogical for me to debate beliefs I believe Ask what I believe. You too. believe what you believe in terms of spirituality. Um, this is what it is. I started off, I was born into a Christian family. And I was I thinking about you, Ross. Go ahead and share yeah. what you going to share, because I, I was thinking here, about you. I was you.
2: born into a Christian family um, from Trinidad and Tobago. I eventually graduated to the Rastafarian tradition via a cousin of mine that I used to spend major time with when I would go to Trinidad. He started teaching me how to actually better understand who we were in the Bible And it just blew my mind and opened me up After that I graduated to the, to the Semitic tradition which I've been practicing For like 23, 24 years And one thing that I Understand just based on our ancestors Understanding of the, of the deity Is that you are never Supposed to try and force Another person to adopt Your belief. Everyone's relationship With their deity is personal right? And no one else can tell Another person how and through which medium or vehicle they have their relationship with their own creator. That right, is for
0: I agree with You that as 100. a personal
2: person, I'm not supposed to call you and tell you, but you need to drop Christianity and become, you know, get on this African traditional stuff or become comedic." No, if that's the way the creator resonates with you, then you gravitate towards it. If you ask me, then I'll be able to help you with that. But you know, other than that, we should be able to just respect each other, and that's the way the ancestors saw it. That's the way it's supposed to be.
0: That's even in African, some African traditional religions is, remember I said that um, I focus on just uh, treating my neighbor as I would myself. I came across an African tradition religion. I don't recall the name of it, um, but it was saying living in peace with your neighbors. You can't can't live in peace with your neighbors if you're trying to to, uh, have sex with your neighbor's wife. Or you trying to exactly. steal from your neighbor? So I mean, there are universal principles throughout all religions. Where we get into trouble is, it's like what you said is when we try to force other people um, to believe what we believe. I'm like, wait a minute. Um, nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the four Gospels, do I see Jesus telling people to force people to become right. either they accept it or they don't. And they ain't I ain't supposed to be trying to cut your head off because um, you won't convert to Christianity or
2: convert That's man yeah, you know that man did that
0: it's all man it, it, is
2: a man. I
0: believe in freedom and of will. if God gave us free will, a lot of people say God, the Creator gave us free will, then we had to respect the free will of other people then you know
2: without question and and yes, and the last thing before I mute myself, I just wanted to toss this out there in regards to Buddhism. Buddhism was, and, and you can read this in um, Civilization or Barbarism, I believe is a text by Shikanta He talks about um, the fact that the priest who started Buddhism, Siddhartha, was actually a comedic priest that left the Nile Valley during the invasion of the Canvases. And him and a handful of comedic priests went east. And from those handful of priests spawned what we know as modern Buddhism. And that Buddhism was actually an offshoot of the spiritual practice relating to the deity and Kemet, known as sex.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So he was that that tradition. Hey man, was the ain't, ain't, ain't it funny though, off. Ross?
0: Even if you're talking about mm-hmm. DNA genetics, whether you're talking about mm-hmm. most of the major religions, all Rose lead Africa, man. Without question, without question. That's that's what I've come
2: to find out. And that, like, when I was younger and more confused. I was very similar to the people I described when you first started and you described. Especially because I would get into these um, debates and battles with people on the internet about the historicity of religion. And they were so disrespectful that I started to become the same way. Because they were so wrong and I was so angry. Yeah, that's natural. Right, and as I got older, Mm -hmm. yeah, and I just got older, I talked to my wife, especially when I started to lecture and, 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 and write and really get immersed in helping educate our people. You know, she made it clear. She's like, you can't abash people's religion and then expect them to listen to what you have to say. You have to respect them and come at them in a specific, respectful, um, and understanding manner. Dialogue. And then you can get them to understand what you're talking about. It's not about converting them. It's just about giving them the truth. But no one's going to want to hear the truth if you're disrespecting everything that they stand for. Right. And when, she, when my wife told me that, I said, everything you said makes sense and I ceased and desisted all of that all arguing online, stop all of that stuff. you know what speaks to, to that
0: Ross and I posted this scripture in my program description and in my thread to Timothy uh, second book yes. uh, verses 23 to 24 don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce exactly. quarrels
2: okay exactly and, and that's what I stopped doing I don't fight nobody if you you know as soon as stuff starts to get you go left I immediately just pull back and say, you know, we can agree to disagree and just end it right there. Hey, I don't Ross, either, I don't that's something I, I, I'm I mean. telling
0: you, man. That's something I'm still working on, bro. Because, <laughs> like hard. you said, sometimes, people, sometimes, boy, they get so you mad. Crazy. You taking it personal, yeah. and you be like, oh, 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 no, he didn't, and whatever. But I'm working on, <laughs> yep. I'm working on just, uh, like, and even in a non-religious way, Mister Fuller talks about this: stop squabbling. Yep,
2: so, I do it across the board and Jenna could tell you because I used to get into wars with folks sometimes and it's just like why am I wasting my time? It's like casting like they say in the Bible again casting pearls for swine there's no need to, to get muddy with a person where I mean, you can just you know pick yourself up do what you have to do and migrate elsewhere and right. have actual constructive conversations with people who are actually um, willing to share their ideas and allow you to share yours in a constructive manner
4: mm-hmm. so Man, that has again. been my model
2: for a long time now and that's going to be my model too the ancestors call me home. That is just that I'm not arguing with other black people. Just now, don't do it. Whatever the subject matter is, I'm not arguing with you. Yeah. That is a waste of my life, force, time and energy that I don't have to invest anymore. Right. And that's it. So with that, I'm going to mute myself and um, listen to the program. If anything else pops up that I can chime in on, I will. But I, I think this is a necessary, most necessary conversation. And I'm really thankful that you decided to have this particular
0: program. Yeah. And, and so what I just talked about, that scripture I shared And Ross shared, you know, how him and his wife talked and he don't argue with people, you know, um, Mr. Fuller saying stop squabbling. So if you among our listening audience, again, the majority of our listening audience do identify as Christians, whether they actively practicing or not. But so the best thing to do when you're confronted with Afro Christophobia among uh, by people who look like you is just to remove yourself don't get into arguments with them don't because it's, it's dumb it's dumb and all you're going to do is cause uh, further um, um, division you know it might be something that he needs um, you might have something that they need but then here you are arguing about this or that you could help each other but now you didn't fell out with each other over a stupid argument about beliefs you know so that's not what black talk radio is about This is why I don't allow that type of program. I'm not saying people can't discuss spiritual things or or religious things. But what I'm saying is share the knowledge in a non disrespectful manner. Don't belittle other people like Malcolm X said. Don't condemn somebody because they don't believe what you believe. Uh, don't practice what you I'm paraphrasing them don't practice what you practice or don't think as you think or think as fast as you think because at one time you didn't know what you know today so you know that's why I love Malcolm man you know after he after he went on his journey because there was really a change in him when he came back from Mecca and he was really a man of, of, about peace uh, among Black people and even in the world, um, you know, in the world. But he knew that we had to use any means necessary to combat white supremacy and racism. And so, again, if we, if whatever you practicing it, and, and you ain't producing justice, then I'm not gonna say like Mr. Fuller said, you don't have any business breathing. But You have some growing up to do. You have some maturation um, to go through because that ain't necessary. You know, we're our enemy is white supremacy. Our enemy is slavery. And I don't even care about the skin color of the slaver, the slave catcher or none of that. If you ain't producing justice, then like Mr. Fuller said, you must be practicing injustice. And then that don't matter what shade you are ross i don't I don't have anything, oh, one last thing now, do I believe that swapping out one religion or set of spiritual beliefs for another is going to solve the problem of white supremacy? I think the answer is no. The reason the answer is no is because we haven't seen any of these religions stop the religion of white supremacy. And white supremacy is a religion because it's based on beliefs, not spiritual beliefs, more carnal beliefs, but it's still a set of beliefs. Therefore, I call it a religion. So, you know, I just want us to think before we speak and not look to offend our brothers and sisters because we need each other in this struggle. If someone insists on being disrespectful, then just remove yourself from those individuals it's clear that you can't work with that person and try to work with the people you can and, and make the most constructive use of your time Ross i 'm gonna let you have um, some final thoughts any final thoughts to share as we wrap it up
2: Thank you so much um yes, I would say that I
0: definitely agree with you.
2: The strongest religion on earth is the religion of white supremacy. The reason why is because uh, Europeans had a totally antithetical origin story to African people, so we ne- never had a concept of genetic annihilation because we were the original people, and there was more of us than anybody else on the planet. So there's a everything about them is, as far as their cultural and um and 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 historical behavior was antithetical to African people, as far as just the way that they functioned in the world and the things that they chose to do and Um, what drove them to become who we know them to be collectively today. Now, um, one thing I will say is that uh, the tradition that I practice has helped me mitigate the system in ways that I find to be quite uh, helpful. (laughs) But again, it's not going to end the system of white supremacy. I believe what will end it is black people's ability to cast aside things that have been purposely put in our path to be divisive And coalesce around solving problems if we can do that and put the other stuff to the side because religion is personal (laughs) I should not be able to go to someone else and tell them who or what they should worship whoever they choose so if they choose to be atheist that's on you as long as you are about justice that's what we coalesce around as long as you are anti-slavery that's what we coalesce around anti-human trafficking anti-injustice then that's what we coalesce around and then once we get to that place of justice then if we don't see eye to eye on things like religion, then that's fine. We don't even have to argue about that. You should be free to practice whatever religion, spiritual tradition, or atheism that you feel like practicing. No different than I should be able to practice whatever I want to practice without it impinging on another human being. And if we can get mature in our understanding of reality, codification, and just the concept, the real concept of black self-respect, I don't see religion being a problem. I see the brilliance of Malcolm, Minister Malcolm X, creating the organization of Afro-American unity in order to move away from the religious doctrine that can become separatist and argumentative. It makes perfect sense. The answers to a lot of our problems have already been given to us by some of the greatest people that ever walked the face of the earth. A lot of us are ignoring their hard work, and as a result, we're ignoring some of the solutions to our problems. Boycotting? martin luther king gave us the answer to shutting the system down there's two things that this system will pay attention to loss of life or loss of finances Mm -hmm. mlk used loss of finances to cripple selma alabama Mm -hmm. we have not learned from the brilliance of that strategy and and like you were saying We don't have enough numbers in this country specifically to go into any sort of race war that people talk about. Those those people are just well, well, Ross. We do have.
0: I was speaking of Dr. King. We do have the Mm -hmm. numbers. We do have the numbers, but we aren't organized. Like Malcolm was saying in that clip yeah. I played, do we start a black political party or do we start a black army? We don't have a black army with people professionally trained to engage right. in warfare because we know that that people, even with lesser technology, have been able to defeat the United States Okay, uh, in warfare. Okay, So it's not that we don't have the numbers, it's that we don 't have the organization, the training and the resources to 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 uh do that and um that 's something that I we could, do I need to organize around militias. I do believe in we the example of uh, uh what Malcolm X talked about creating rifle clubs. he was talking about militias and the black Christian Robert F. Williams, the first president of the um uh, what 's the name of the organization to uh set up a black nation um. Uh, what's the name uh, of The New,
2: Af- New Africa uh, um, yeah, Republic yeah. of New Africa the
0: Republic of New yeah. Africa his first president black Christian but you know he believed in self-defense and using weapons and engaged in it um, so that's I, I don't it's not that we don't have the numbers because remember the most of the people I think we
2: don't have the psychology right
0: most of the people we in this country the are children and women okay sure. Chil- women and children it's only a million slave catchers and it's less than a million in the U.S. military. There are probably, um, conservatively, at least 5 million black men. And then the way we're integrated into those other armies, we already got people on the inside. But I'm not, I'm not. you know, I'm just saying, I just want to clarify uh, the point right. about That's not good. having That's the good. numbers. It's not having the organization absolutely. and, like you said, not having the will to go that route. Yeah, absolutely. And there was a meme that I
2: saw. I saw it yesterday that kind of blew my mind because it was um, and it was pretty much a hieroglyphic. <laughs> but it was so deep in its simplicity. And this is what it had. It said, this is why we fail as a people, it was inclined. And they had an image of young black females fist fighting each other and beating each other up. Mm. Another image of black people praying. And on top of that, an image of white females all holding rifles, practicing shooting,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it
2: blew my. That simple thing blew my mind. I said, "Wow, the best way of saying saying what that person said was in that image." While we're beating the heck out of each other, while we, you know, and there's nothing wrong with praying, but um, just the idea that white people, almost all the time, they're thinking about ways of being militarily sound, even to the point where there's women are organized and learning to shoot from a young age their children do so and black people some of us do that but the overwhelming majority of us do not and it puts us at a disadvantage because like you said we're not organized and then we're not even working towards um getting ourselves physically to a point where if something was to go down that we are physically sound most of us are overweight we're eating horrible food we don't exercise We party. white people go jogging not all of them but you see it all the time they go jogging they they, they, they they eat vegan food,
0: they're shooting all the time. There's a they're lot of Hey, eat. there's a lot of fat asses out there too though.
2: <laughs> oh, there's a lot of them. Oh yeah, no yeah. no no question, no question. But I think Lily Fuller said that before. He said like it starting in like the sixties or seventies, you started seeing these white people jogging and it became a phenomenon where they would just you know, you see them. I would see them, you know, growing up in New York and, and even being in Jersey. And I would see some black people doing it but not on the number that I would encounter white people doing it. And it just would help us if we were able to look at things as realistically on the ground as possible and then think, wh- what can we do collectively to mm-hmm. come together in order to thwart the machinations of those that are dominating? Yeah. And once we start thinking that way and say, I don't care what religion you practice, I care about what your position is on dealing with justice versus injustice. And right. once we're on the same page with that, then that's all we need to focus on. If during that t- process, we happen to talk about religion, and you tell me something about your religion, and it resonates with me. Then I'll ask for further information and possibly join your religion. If not, then you you you, can you don't even have to join it,
0: but too. just just adopt yes. that practice, whatever that specific right. practice is. You know, you, uh, absolutely. But uh, I got to get ready to get out of here, Ross.
2: Um, no problem, man. Let me mute myself. I'm sorry, but again, thank you for a dynamic show. Um, I appreciate this conversation. I think it was absolutely necessary. I think you should pin it. I think we should pin it on BCL community, and I think it should be there just for people to get that holistic understanding of this is the way we should be dealing with each other in regards to anything dealing with religion, and we need to be just respectful and actually just historically accurate and accurate in our presentation of the, in discussions about anything to do with religiosity. That just do your homework in a thorough fashion mm-hmm. and respect people. The same way you want to be respected for whatever you practice or choose not to practice, other people want the same respect. And if you can do that, you can get past the BS and actually solve problems. That should be the main... Our religion should be the religion of
0: solving problems.
2: I'll (laughs) end it there. (laughs) Thanks, my brother. Well, love.
0: All right. And and on that, I was going to say, yeah, it ain't nothing wrong with prayer, but pray for the answers to solve the problems. Pray for... Pray for whatever deity, whatever you believe. Pray for strength to overcome your enemies. Pray for wisdom to outsmart your enemies. Okay, so that's that's what I say. Ain't nothing wrong with prayer, but prayer with—I mean, as they say, faith—and that's what they mean. Prayer, uh, faith without works is dead. Meaning, it's going to come to nothing. You can't pray for something and sitting around waiting on God to do for you what you can do for yourself. Cause he, cause those other people have free will and he's not going to interfere with their free will. So it's going to be a battle of wheels. Who has the strongest will? All right. So pray for that wheel to, to produce justice all over this planet. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, Ross, for uh, contributing to this conversation. This will probably be the last time I, I get deep off into a discussion about spiritual beliefs in religions. Uh, religion. Um, I'm trying to figure out some uh, practical solutions that people can use to overcome these problems. And I'm most focused on um, having a safe digital space for us to share our thoughts and our ideals. That said, recognize the fact that we live behind the enemy lines of USA Inc., a country that never stopped practicing slavery, regardless of the propaganda they have, have produced, and that it is going to take People who want to practice justice to come together to end slavery and oppression of all people on this planet. Peace and blessings to all be safe.